Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, joined as always by Christian Simmons. This is episode five, and uh, you can find us both on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at by CA Simmons, and go ahead and throw Night Sports Now a follow at Night Sports Now while you're at it. And we're going to jump right into it because we've got a lot to talk about. Last week, we talked about how um, we hoped that we'd have a football coach to talk about this week, and Christian, I think, even said that UCF would uh, have a coach in place by Monday or Tuesday, and he was right. We were right. We have a new football coach to talk about, and we're jumping right into big topic number one for this podcast on episode five. UCF made Gus Malzahn, the former Auburn coach, made him the ninth head coach in program history this week, and he's gotten to work already. And Christian, first, initial reactions, Gus Malzahn, the new head coach of UCF football. Well, I just want to point out, I was in the, the very unique and small crowd that actually thought this was a good hire before his press conference. <laughs> um, I, Twitter, and I, and I guess it was just because, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast a little bit, I was worried about people getting all in on Levy about what the reaction would be if it was someone else. And that pretty much came true. Like when, I, when the news broke of Jason Beattie of 247 broke at first that Gus Malzano is coming to head coach UCF, my initial reaction was that's a massive, massive get. He's a great head coach. He's a national brand. And, you know, unlike USF's trying to make this whole thing that, oh, he's UCF's Charlie Strong. Unlike Charlie Strong and many other AAC coaches, he's had a track record of success everywhere he's been. And even when Auburn fired him this year, the national consensus was kind of like, why did Auburn do that? Auburn's athletic director apparently wasn't even on board. It was more the boosters coming in and doing what boosters do and overreacting to a COVID season. So it's a huge get for UCF. UCF Twitter was not so happy because it wasn't Jeff Levy, it seems like Dylan Gabriel was maybe not so happy oh my gosh. at one point. But yeah, my initial reaction was just, this is a great hire. And luckily once Gus Malzahn put on what will go down as one of the most memorable press conferences in UCF history, Night Nation was like, wait a minute, maybe he's a good coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that press conference in a minute, but just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You and I talked about Malzahn, I think uh, a couple times on this podcast and you know, mentioned him maybe as a secondary candidate because Jeff Levy seemed so like so much like the the preferred option among the players and certainly among the fans if Twitter's by uh, anything to go off of. And like you said, yeah, I mean, honestly, the the backlash on Twitter when his name kind of leaked out. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to throw the word embarrassing out there, but it was kind of embarrassing. I mean, I just think I'll throw the word out there. It was embarrassing. Yeah. No, I mean. It's just UCF Twitter, I think, is it's a, it's a special place. It's, uh, it's not this place, but it's, uh, it's an interesting place. And, yeah, I think there's always going to be a, a small group of, of people who aren't going to be happy with something. And, but I think, by, like you said, by the time he had this press conference on Monday, most everyone seemed to be on board. You've seen some polls out there of, of people who, you know, whether they love the hire, like it, or hate it. You know, a lot of people are saying they love it. And I think it, if you really want to get down to it, like we've talked about this throughout this week is did UCF upgrade at the head coaching position is, is Gus Malzahn uh, an upgrade over Josh Heupel. And I don't think there's any argument that can be made against that being the case. Cause, and I, I think he even saw it. There was actually a, I don't remember who put the, the poll out there. Um, but there was a poll of, of, you know, who would you rather have as your head coach, Gus Malzahn or Josh Heupel. And there was like over 800 votes. And I think 99% of people said Gus Malzahn. So, I mean, there, there you have it right there. It's, and people wanted Jeff Levy. They thought it would have been exciting to, to have him back. And definitely, I think they kind of just latched on to what the players wanted, which, I mean, it's fair. But I, I think, as you've seen this week, fans and players both are, are coming around because Malzahn really has had a track record of success at Auburn and, and before that at Arkansas State. And he just – he killed it in the opening press conference. I think he, he hit on everything that UCF fans wanted to hear. 
Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I'm sorry. That press conference was just I. You know, we've had we've gone from Scott Frost to Jeff Levy, or not to Jeff Levy to Josh Heupel. Excuse <laughs> me. That's how forgettable Josh Heupel is. Is I've already erased him from my mind and put Le- that was Levy's team. Yeah. But so we've had five years of Frost and Heupel, who basically both of them every press conference was the same. Heupel was worse than Frost, but would just be like, oh, you know, By I'm far. happy to be here, excited about the potential. Then Gus Frick and Malzahn stands up there and I'm expecting more of like, Oh, that, you know, this place just, and he, and he just sits there and goes, here's the deal. We're going to win every game we play. We're going to play top 10 teams and we're going to beat them. And we're going to go to the college football playoff and we're going to be the best team in Florida. And we're going to recruit five stars and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember just sitting there in my living room watching this. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, it was just, it was, it was insane in the best way as I feel like I would describe that. Like those are amazingly lofty goals. And I, and I, I just, but just hearing a coach, I guess we've just never actually had a UCF head coach who would lay out. We've all talked about that as fans, the potential of UCF, how this oh, is yeah. a power five program. But we've never had a head coach just straight up be like, yeah, we have everything we need. And I want to make this the best team in Florida and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I think from, from my perspective, uh, during his press conference, I actually had a training for work. And I see you and Sarah blowing up my phone throughout the entire thing and just like all caps just saying a bunch of stuff and like not really giving me a ton of like what he was actually saying, just like a bunch of reactions. And I was like, what is going on in this press conference? <laughs> and so I go back and watch it later. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was probably just as excited. I don't know if I, uh, I think I came back even with a couple of my all caps texts of my own, just because it was exciting. And he really did lay out everything that UCF can and, and will be uh, under his direction. And, and I think he definitely sounded like a coach who wants to stick around and, and build this place for the long haul. And I know we've heard coaches like talk about it before, maybe, maybe not even really explicitly say, um, not really explicitly say they're going to stay it's just it, based off of their, their general emotions and their general words that, Oh yeah, like they're, they're happy at UCF, blah, blah, blah. But Malzahn said, if the right guy ever gets here and builds it, you know, it's going to be a powerhouse. And he said, you know, I think I'm that right guy. So it, it really sounds like based off of the press conference and then some interviews he's done afterwards, he, he really wants to be here and he really wants to build UCF for the future. Yeah, I actually pulled up, this was from uh, Brian Murphy of Black and Gold Bannerets Twitter from back in the day, because people were talking about when he said that, he had, he's said it a few times now very distinctly that I want to be here and I want to stay here long term and build this. And people were saying, well, didn't Frost and Heupel came at, say stuff like that? So the closest Heupel ever came was in fall of 2019. He said, I love, when asked that, asked about coaching rumors, he said, I love where I'm at. I love the guys that I'm with. My wife and kids absolutely love living here and being a part of this university and program. This is the most unique job in college football. Not really saying much of anything. So no. I, honestly, yeah, Malzahn, even though he hasn't coached a game here yet, has without a doubt gone farther than – and on cue, I'm on Twitter reading that, and Gus Malzahn just tweeted that we've hired Herb Hand as our O-line coach. So, Already. <laughs> uh, he was Texas's offense coordinator last year, I think. I'll have to check that Yeah. Out. But anyway, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, so Malzahn's been way more open than, you know, any other head coach recently has been here. And listen, my take on that is I genuinely think he means it. I really do think when he says that now, he, he sees this as a place where he can be the guy who builds it into this amazing Power 5 program. Will he still mean that when UCF has had a couple good years and the Blue Blood offers are rolling in? I don't know. Maybe not anymore. I think like it's an easy sentiment to have when the offers aren't there, but I do think for better or worse, he means that right now. Yeah, no, I think so too. And that's, that's always the caveat is right now. Um, but I think, like you said, the, the closest hype will ever came was, just, oh, I'm happy now. I'm happy. Like, I like where I am, I am right now. And I love my players, all that. Frost kind of really was along the same lines, I think, when, you know, towards the end of that 2017 season, when all the rumors started popping up, he was just kind of saying, oh, this is such a special place. 
bubble. And he, he did seem to be like a little bit, he seemed to have already made up his mind, but in, in hindsight, I guess, but he did seem kind of torn up over leaving. He, he did seem like if that Nebraska offer hadn't popped up, I don't think he was going to Florida. I don't think he was going anywhere else. I think he would have stayed uh, stuck around longer than he did. I don't know how, if he'd been here forever, but yeah, I think just for the fact that Malzahn gets up there and is, is an introductory press conference and it's just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the right guy to, to take this program to the next level. And he's talking about playing top 10 teams and beating them. Doesn't matter where he play him. He said, we'll play him in the parking lot if he has to. And, and even just nodded over to Terry Mahajri. He's like, he decides where, where we're going to play and who we're going to play. I just, I'll play in the parking lot. I don't care. And it's just the, <laughs> we talked, I think last week about Mahajri having the kind of energy and the, the mindset that UCF need right now. And I think Malzahn's on that same, that same track. And I didn't really expect that necessarily. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I followed him that closely when he was at Auburn, but I did not expect him to come in and have the press conference that he had on Monday, just based off of what I knew of him. Yeah, that was, I, it was, and it see, and it wasn't just us saying that. I mean, national media were like, I've never seen him this fired up. And I'm glad that he sort of dispelled because it kind of became this Twitter rumor type thing. And I don't really know where it came from originally that no idea. Fa- fans kind of had this whole take of, oh, he wasn't, it was probably because it really pissed me off the night he got hired. Because the first thing that was reported was that he'd received an offer. And everyone started this whole thing of like, well, like lots of UCF fans, like, well, why does he just have an offer? Why hasn't he accepted it? He didn't accept it immediately. <laughs> he needs to receive the offer. That's how that always goes. That There's no such thing as like, would you like the job? Yes. And they're done. You extend the offer. You negotiate with their agent. You get a contract together. Then you announce. That's, that, that was, the news broke at a different point than it usually does. But that's how every negotiation has gone down ever. So I'm glad that he really dispelled that this idea that, oh, he wasn't committed. It was clear that he talked about reaching out to the search firm before Mahajra was even hired. I mean, it was clear that he wanted this job and was very eager to get this job and obviously pitched better than anybody else and sold him, sold everyone on this idea of I can bring in my pedigree and all these great coaches and we can turn this into a top tier program. He wants to be here and he's really excited to be here. And I'm glad that fans realized pretty quickly like, oh, this whole trepidation thing was kind of just made up on Twitter and not a real thing that happened. Yeah, I have I have no idea where that came from, and it was it was good to hear him kind of just be like, you know, I I was really interested in this job, you know, years ago. Really, he said he said he's always been kind of like had his eye on this job and and kind of what's been going on at UCF. Hard not to, I think, when he sees what happened in 2017 firsthand uh, against his Auburn team. Very first. <laughs> yeah, very 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 firsthand, right across the sideline. And I want to point this out because you brought it up, and actually, I might I might just kind of throw it to you on this, but how crazy is it that on that day? Scott Frost, Josh Heupel, George O'Leary, and Gus Malzahn were all in the same building. How crazy is that? Yeah, I stole that from someone on Twitter. So whoever, oh, okay. when I said it, so whoever. I don't feel as bad about who, stealing it from whoever you. Whoever figured that out, uh, props to you. I wish I remembered who you were. It's, but, it's, um, just, it's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. Like literally that's, well, it's the, and we two were talking about this um, just when we were talking earlier too. Speaking of that, you've got four coaches. The other thing about why this job is so attractive is UCF has not fired a football coach since 2003. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I mean, I feel like that has to maybe be the longest streak. I'd like to go see, like, I mean, has, is there any other program that has not fired a coach in that span? Maybe like FSU because Bowden went through then? I can't think. Oh, they yeah, fired I mean, Taggart. What am I talking about? Never yeah. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't really think off the top of my head. And that's, that's something that I think also would be tough to kind of track down. Oh, th- Probably no, worth it though. No, you be... just go team by team and look. I'll, I'll do it after this. I mean, I bet you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you uh, I know the kind of stats <laughs> you look up and I know the kind of, things you the rabbit holes you go down but i'm just saying it's probably gonna be a little time consuming at least there's a lot of teams to go through 130 teams two minutes yeah. a team take me a couple that's, hours okay yeah um, 
Um, but I just think, yeah, it's, it's been great just to see the, the energy that Malzahn has come in with and he's gotten, you know, gotten started right away and he, he's off on the recruiting trail and, and he's like given offers to four and five stars already from the 2023 class. And he's brought in uh, his defensive coordinator, Travis Williams, who just took the linebacker's job at Miami. And he said, you know, he couldn't pass up the opportunity to come join Malzahn at UCF. And I mean, we, we might be able to talk about uh, T-Will a little bit later, or a little bit more uh, next week, but just the the energy that he's brought already to this to this program and and just kind of you can kind of just tell he's a guy that players are going to love playing for just because he's young he's energetic and and he really care, seems to care about his players so and, and then you said uh, the the o-line coach coming in and he's already putting together his staff he said he was trying to try to have the staff in place within a week and you know they're already out recruiting they're already you know making themselves at home at ucf i know both uh malzahn and williams were at the ucf basketball game on wednesday night and I just have this pulled up just because I was I was just kind of looking at Twitter, looking for a Malzahn tweet. But I don't know if you saw it six hours ago. Did you see the picture of him? Uh, it looks like it's out by one of the gates of the football stadium. Where the, all the palm trees are in the background. He's standing there. Was this there. the 82 degrees? Yes, he yeah. said sunny and 82, <laughs> just saying. And so it seems like he's very clearly already loving it here, loving life as UCF's head coach. And, yeah, it's just it's, it's an exciting time. And I think we'll get – We'll get into this um, a little bit later, but just there's so much more excitement, especially, I mean, I, I can speak for myself, I guess, only, but there's so much more excitement on my part than there was before. Like when, when last season ended, I think I even told you, I was like, I'm just not looking forward to next season. And, and it's, it's for me to say yeah, that. We about, got in an argument about yeah, that. For me to <laughs> say that time. about, you know, a UCF football season, I was like, I just, I, the whole season was exhausting watching the defense play the way they did and watching high, like just being frustrated with Hypo throughout the whole season and what he was doing, I was just like, I don't really like have any, I was like, maybe there's some players I'll be excited to watch. But like, I just don't have any expectations for next year. And while there's still like a lot to a lot of question marks, I guess, on the roster, just the, the change in the transition from Heupel to Malzahn, I'm just so much more excited already. Like I cannot wait for, you know, that Boise state game. And it's just, it's an exciting time right now. And I think, um, you know, a lot of the players seem to be excited. I know a lot of them obviously wanted Levy, but, you know, they're coming around. And like you mentioned and, and re referenced earlier, Dylan Gabriel is, I guess, coming around. He, he met with uh, Malzahn today, and his social media stuff is back to being uh, UCF-centric. So that little uh, – I don't want to call it an outburst, but that little uh, episode on the night Malzahn's name got leaked out, uh, it looks, looks like it's in the past. So really just it seems like the players are, are ready to go and – you know, spring ball will be starting up soon, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Malzahn's got the energy that, that I think UCF needs, and um, we're going to see it pretty soon and pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you look at – it reminds me so much of the energy after 2015 because obviously you couldn't get any lower than that. The 2015 season will always be <laughs> – I feel completely confident saying now there will never be a low point like that again because I don't know how it's possible to I'm come off sure of back-to-back – Come off of back-to-back -back conference championships, two years removed from a Fiesta Bowl win, and then not win a game. But then Frost came in, and it was this whole vision of the future. And it just and people like the people were hyped up for 2016, which that's a weird thing to say that people were hyped up coming off a season where they didn't win a game. But yeah. it kind of does have that similar energy to me. And I don't think next year was going to be a bad year if Heupel stayed as coach. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter who would disagree with me in that mm. assertion. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but. Um, but my bigger thing is, and I tweeted about this too, is I, I hope fans aren't going too crazy because there's still some very real, like a lot of the issues we were talking about next year are still issues. Like, okay, sure. We've solved that. We're not going to run up the middle every play. That's great. And I'm glad <laughs> we're going to use day. the middle of the field. though. <laughs> the middle of the field the is going to become a part use. of the game. We're, we're going to have, have more than three back. plays. Oh my gosh. 
going to be crazy. Maybe we'll even have a quarterback that moves. We'll see. But, um, <laughs> but there's still, I mean, it doesn't change that you lost pretty much all of your, almost all of your wide receivers and running backs that contributed last season. It doesn't change that the defense is still coming off a horrible year. It doesn't change that, and we'll get into this, that this is a tough schedule. And it yeah. doesn't change, even though fans really don't want to hear this, but I'm going to keep saying it. Dylan Gabriel has to get better. He's not anywhere near as good as Mackenzie Milton was yet. And maybe that's an unattainable goal, but he has to be better than he was last year. He was great. One of the top quarterbacks in the nation. And maybe it'll be different now that Malzahn's running a different offense, but it's just having a quarterback that doesn't move was a problem. <laughs> so all those things are still issues. But that being said, there's a lot of excitement for next year. And I, and I think it's safe to say that I think next year, whether it ends up being nine and three or 10 and two, I mean, those are, I, I think it's going to be a good year. I think so too. And I think, a couple things on that. I think the, like you said, fans were hyped up going into 2016, coming off an 0-12 season. And it felt like in a lot of ways, people were very just apathetic at, at some point last year. And probably going into this year, we're going to be pretty apathetic about another Josh Heupel coach team. Not that, you know, not that there was going to be, you know, a whole dumpster fire of a season. We're going to win like four games and go four and eight. Not saying that would have happened, but it just seemed like no one really the passion and the excitement wasn't really there anymore. And it's kind of crazy to say that coming off of a season, you know, prior to this one where they won 10 games and finished in the top 25, won the bowl game. It just seemed like very quickly uh, people turned on Hypo, got frustrated with Hypo and, you know, all of the, the passion and everything that was built up over the 2017 and 18 seasons were just, was just gone. And it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. And, and something I wrestled with saying this and, and I don't, I don't know, we're not going to get too deep into it, but, when you brought up Dylan Gabriel just now, it just kind of made me think, you know, about having a quarterback that doesn't move and all that. Just, we talked about this yesterday, but imagine this, this offense with Daryl Mack. Imagine, imagine if he hadn't left for Old Dominion. I mean, he's got, he literally has the same build as Cam Newton. And you saw what Cam Newton did in Gus Malzahn's offense in 2010. And just, it would just be amazing <laughs> to see what Daryl Mack would have done. And I'm not saying that Dylan Gabriel's not going to have success in this, in this offense. It's just, it's just something that I keep running through in my mind. I was like, that would have been, would have been pretty special. Yeah. We're going to get Twitter hate for this because UCF fans for whatever reason really hate Daryl Mack. And I still don't get why because he was a fantastic quarterback, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll always be bummed that we didn't really get, we, well, we didn't really, we just straight up did not get a Daryl Mack season. I know we were going to in 2019 before he broke his ankle in the off season. But, I mean, he, he was a force, man. And, yeah, I mean, he is so tailor-made to what Malzahn ran at Auburn. I, I, that would have been a ton. I know it doesn't mean anything now. And even if he hadn't transferred, I mean, it's not like he was going to start over Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel at this point has absolutely proved himself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those hypotheticals where I'm like, man, that, that would yeah. it's, that it's, been it kind of brings me It brings me back to that tweet you had um, a few weeks, maybe a couple months ago now, where you're like, what's one of like the biggest hypotheticals you think of in UCF history? That's now one of them for me. It's just like, I wonder what that would look like. And I don't care if you, if you want to hate on us and bring us like hate through for saying that, go ahead and do it. I'm just, I'll be glad. I'll be glad just because it means people are listening to us. People are listening (laughs) to this podcast and that's what we want. Hey, UCF fans. I love you guys so much and thank you for listening, but it's okay for UCF to not have a Hawaiian quarterback occasionally. (laughs) Just so you know. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to have to move into to topic number two here. We're staying on the subject of football because, you know, we've Can got Can I give one more Malzahn right thing really quickly? Go ahead. Yes, go. please do. I tweeted this, but I just want to throw this out here. Gus Malzahn, in his, in, from 2013 to last season, which was the entire time he was at Auburn, he went three and five against Nick Saban. Three and five. Three wins, five losses. All the other SEC head coaches went three and 61. I just want to I just, good. <laughs> a little good. Yeah. That he alone has as many wins as all the other SEC teams from 2013 to now. That's yeah. remarkable to me. So I just want to and, throw it out there. Cause what a stat. And I think that people, 
I don't know. People might not admit it. And that's going to be the fun part about going back on Twitter. And if people don't delete their tweets and stuff, but I think people are going to, going to feel really, really, really dumb and really silly about the way they reacted when, when he was hired, because I really do. I think this, this is going to be a great hire. It's going to prove to be uh, a big move for UCF and people are going to just kind of, we're going to reflect back and maybe like a year from now and be like, people really were really upset about this and and you know then you by then UCF will have brought in like probably a really good recruiting class and just a lot of excitement to to build off which to which to UCF fans credit I mean the uh, those tweets were bad but it did last basically that night like by the press conference pretty much everyone switched so yeah I mean you talk about like people always talk about winning the press conference and it's like what does that actually mean but I think that's what Gus Malzahn did yeah, pretty as, easily. As long as you declare that you're never going to lose again, you will. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that'll do it. But uh, we're going to kind of move in to, to see, you know, whether UCF will ever lose again. We're uh, we got the, the football yes. schedule. We got the football schedule that dropped on Thursday, and you know, of course, dropping right before uh, we recorded a little a little bit before we recorded after we had already put together our outline for the podcast because that's just what UCF loves to do. And I guess this time it's the American, but news dropping right before and making us rewrite everything. Gotta love that. But UCF schedule is out for 2021. And I'm going to read it off here. And we're kind of just going to go through a breakdown, thoughts about it, game, uh, games we're looking forward to most. And like Christian alluded to earlier, this is a tough schedule. It really is. And we knew the opponents already, but just kind of the ordering that came out, pretty tough. So UCF will open either September 2nd, 3rd, or 4th with a home game against Boise State. So we'll see what, what they decide on. I guess the TV is going to decide that. Then they'll follow that with Bethune-Cookman, a game that was previously not announced. UCF had an opening, and they filled it with Bethune-Cookman in week two. Then they'll go on the road, play on Friday night at Louisville, and then they'll have a week off and then play on the road against Navy. They'll come back home after that for an e- a game against ECU before a big stretch at Cincinnati and then on a Saturday, October 16th, and then they come back Friday, October 22nd, a short week, and play Memphis. So those that little two-game Two gamer right there is not a gift. I wouldn't say. I would say that is probably the opposite of a gift from the AAC. Uh, they'll after that head on the road again, play at Temple, before returning home to host Tulane, and they go on the road again at SMU before finishing the season with back-to-back home games. They'll play UConn, uh, formerly of the AAC, on November twentieth before the Black Friday game against South Florida, and the AAC championship game will be played on December 4th. So Christian, this is a tough schedule, like you said, and just kind of want to get your, your initial thoughts and, and what you think uh, UCS outlook can be, you know, with Gus Malzahn as their head coach, with the question marks on the roster and, you know, with the kind of schedule that they, they have on in front of them. Yeah. And I think we can just go game by game after this and just talk about kind of what we're expecting. But I, I mean, it's a tough schedule. The, the, the part that stands out to me, which there's no back-to-back road games, which is good. They've got a bye week yeah, in between. Yeah, between. You're right. Um, but Cincinnati and Memphis in a six-day window. I mean, I mean, UCF, Cincinnati, and Memphis are the three premier programs of this conference and always have been since the conference formed. They've all had a downswing at some point, but they account for the vast majority of the near six bowls, the ranked seasons, the conference championships. I mean, those are the three teams that run this conference. So having to play, <laughs> having to play Memphis and Cincinnati in six days span, not fun. I'm going to say right now, and hopefully I'll be wrong, but I, I, I just don't see a scenario where UCF wins both those games. I feel like that's a really tall order. If I had to guess, I'll say they'll take Memphis and they'll lose Cincy. That's, yeah, I mean, that would be my, my initial thought. And it's hard to predict, I mean, especially coming off the season they just had and not really knowing, you know, what things will look like at that point. But it, it just doesn't feel like one you can confidently say, oh, yeah, they'll win both of those games. 
Which yeah. I would feel differently too. It's like, I, we just don't know with all the COVID stuff, what attendance is going to look like next year. Yeah. I really, really hope by when's the oh. Memphis game October. I really hope by October 22nd that we can have full stadium stadiums. Maybe that means everyone's in masks, whatever. But like, it's the same thing I said last year and COVID messed with it. If, whenever the bounce house is back, pat, packed and back to normal, I'm not worried about home games. I'm just not. Oh no. So it, no. it's really the Memphis game, as far as what happens there, that's just a question of where we're at with the COVID stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and we don't know really where anything's going to be even by, I guess, May, because it's just, it's, it's still such a, a question mark, but I, I, I look at that opener against Boise state and I'm like, and I'm not even really expecting, I'm not expecting full stadiums at any point this season. And I don't know if we disagree on that, but I'm just thinking like there'll probably be more capacity than there was last year. That's, that's the hope for me anyway. Is for my own more? mental health, I'm declaring that we're going to have full stadiums. I, I mean, I, I probably need that for my mental health too. So I appreciate that, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that man, that Boise State game would just be so incredible with a full stadium. You know, you you would love to see that. Which and of that course is just sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just to just to have normalcy back again, it's just to have a, a full a full stadium for a, a full season would be would be a dream. I, I don't know that it's going to happen, and I don't want to think too much about it because then I'll just get sad. But <laughs> it, it would be you know this this schedule, this home schedule with Boise State. You know, Memphis, of course, the South Florida game of being at home this year. It's a it's a fun home schedule. It's a fun schedule in general. So, you know, you you kind of hope that at least you can get some more capacity than you could last year. For sure. And just going game by game here for a second. I, I'd love to get your take on what games. We're going to do that in a second. We're going to play the game, which is that always Bailey and I call it. Bailey and I will consistently over text for years now. I'll just be like, hey, let's play the game. And he's like, okay. And then I just give him a football schedule for a team. And he tells me the win-loss result for each, uh, each opponent. <laughs> And we're and you know you've been you've been pretty close before. You, have you, I? You, yeah, you have. I I remember in um, it was the year that USF started seven and zero and finished seven and six. I do, I do remember. You're like that. you pretty much nailed it. I think you had like a one game difference, but you had them starting like six and one and then finishing seven. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, yeah, but anyway, so. so for the first game for Boise State, I just want to say that's it, it's kind of gotten lost in all the hype of everything else going around UCF with the new coaches and stuff and everything like that. That's a huge, huge, huge game because UCF and Boise State, and it's not particularly close, are by far the two top programs in the group of five. They're the no only doubt. group of five teams with multiple near six wins. In fact, in the history of from BCS, since we've had bowls that stand as major bowls, BCS now 98 to now, there have been six group of five winners that have won a major bowl. Five of those have been Boise and UCF. I mean, they are just head and shoulders above the rest of the group of five. So that's, and I know that, you know, the AAC as a whole is a better conference, but that to me is very much a game where it's kind of like playing for the crown of the group of five. I mean, those are the two, I mean, that those are the, that's like the Alabama and Clemson of the group of five, basically. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, you know, not, I'm going to say, I'm going to say retro because Boise State's still been good, but it's like kind of like the, the old dogs um, kind of against the, the up and comers, not saying UCF's not all the way up yet, but it's just, it seems like the the new age UCF's the new age power of the the group of five, and Boise State's kind of been around the block a little bit more. And yeah, it's it's such a massive game. And I think when when it got announced, you know, back whenever it got announced, everyone was really excited about it. And now, you know, we're you know six months away from it. Is that what it is? I don't know how to do math, but we're getting there. And it's going to be a big game. And and like I said, if if, if there's going to be any chance of you know more capacity than last year, I think that's going to be uh, a really, really fun atmosphere. All right. I'm going to make you play the game now. We're playing right, spot. We got to do it. Let's do we it. got to do it. Okay. So you're just going to give us win or loss. 
Great UCF 2021 season. Gus Malzahn is head coach. Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback. We think he seems happy on Twitter now. <laughs> okay. For now. Game one, Boise State. Win. You had to think about it. Bethune-Cookman. Win. Bethune-Cookman, which, by the way, was a rivalry game for UCF when they were in Division Two. I don't know if people knew that. Just think about that. They had a trophy. Just think about that, how yeah. far UCF has come. And how far Bethune has not. Um, <laughs> it's not their fault. FCS. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we got two wins to start the year. At Louisville. Win. Ooh, 3-0 start. At Navy. Win. East Carolina. Win. You seem to be buying into the Gus hype. We're at a 5-0 start for UCF football. <laughs> on the Gus bus. They're now ranked probably around with wins against Louisville and Boise State, probably like 12 or 13, going into at Cincinnati. Loss. Ooh, they're down to like 23 in the pool now. Okay. <laughs> uh, Memphis. Win. 6-1. and one. They're moving up. They're at, tw- they're at 20. Temple. At win. Temple. Win. Okay, UCF did win, but now since it's the end of October, we've moved into the CFP rankings. So UCF is now not ranked, despite, <laughs> despite being 7. Hey, how realistic this is. I know. It hurts, doesn't it? Um, Tulane. Win. At SMU. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going loss. I think it's a game they like, should win, but I think they'll lose it. It'll okay. be a close game. But they're really, that 20,000 seat atmosphere is really going to mess with uh, UCF football. <laughs> no, I actually, I, 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 that feels like a loss. SMU is just tough. I mean, SMU, almost tough not, they almost beat UCF in 2017, so. Yeah, and UCF, since they got good under the new coach, we, uh, we haven't played them. So I don't really, we really don't yeah. know what to expect from that matchup at all. Um, okay, two to go. You have them at, I think, seven and two? Eight and two. Wouldn't it be eight and two, yeah. Yes, okay. Eight and two, 20th in AP, unranked in CFP. <laughs> um, okay, conflict. Win. I don't know why, why I thought why about it. Why did you was, think about no, it for you so threw, long? No, you threw me off by calling it just by saying conflict and not saying UConn. I was like, <laughs> what's, I was like what's the conflict? Like, what is there a conflict of like my, my answers or something so far? I didn't oh, really, it didn't register to me that you were talking about the civil conflict, <laughs> the greatest rivalry game in the history of college football. Of course. So UCF wins its first rivalry game. Now, South Florida. Win. You thought about that one for a second too. Are we worried about South Florida being good this year? I'm not Scott. worried about them being good. I'm just worried about, I don't know, last year's game bothered me to no, to no end. And rivalry games are always tricky. I mean, I could see that being one of those games where by the end of this season, maybe maybe Jeff Scott's got them playing pretty well. And they come out a little – they make things a little frisky and they, they come out and make it tough early on. But I think UCF ends up winning it pretty easily. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where USF is going to be like – or South Florida, whatever they want to be called, is going to be like four and seven. But – they're kind of putting it together. So it's going to look yeah. closer than it should look for playing a four and 17, but okay. Yeah, so you've got them at 10 and two, six and two in the AAC with losses to Cincy and SMU. So they'll miss out on the conference championship, but they will go to the Gasparilla bowl. So <laughs> they will play six and six South Carolina. And uh, oh, so we got South Carolina in the Gasparilla bowl. Do I we? Do. I think Gasparilla is swapping to a SEC tie in next year. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So well, that's news to me. There you go. And then UCF will. UCF and South Carolina, Gasper Level, who wins? Yo, UCF. Okay. That puts UCF at 11-2, and two, 19th in the AP poll. That's and a solid debut year. UCF Twitter is going crazy because they lost two games. <laughs> but the thing is, like that, if it plays out exactly like that, which it will since we can see the future, I feel like that <laughs> would be a fantastic opening season for Malzahn, but I also feel like a significant chunk of the fan base would be really upset if that's the way it is. We can – 
we can predict the future. I predicted the Super Bowl this year from 2017. So you did, and I, I think, predicted I think, UCF going undefeated in 2017. Yeah, everything uh, everything we just said is binding, and that's all that's going to happen. So you know, if you're prepared for that now, if you're prepared for 11 and two season and with two losses and missing the conference championship game, I think you'll be a lot happier and a lot you'll be able to enjoy the ride a lot more come fall. So buy your guys for that now, tickets UCF. now. Buy the tickets now while they're cheap. <laughs> oh, that sounds so sad though. I don't. The, the thing about outside of New Year's Six, like fans just have to start letting go of like bowl game prestige because it really just doesn't mean anything anymore. I it mean, really. Well, I mean, you, you saw that playing. it didn't this year, just because you look at the the Outback Bowl, which is supposed to be one of the better bowl games, you know, for a non uh, non New Year's Six game, and the got what was it four and seven Ole Miss or something? They won it, right? I know they won it. Yeah, but it was Ole Miss in Indiana. Yeah, it it didn't really live up to I mean it was good it was a pretty good game but it just it didn't live up to the the prestige of what a normal outback bowl looks like so you kind of just saw all of that bowl prestige go out the window this year in 2020 because everyone was eligible for whatever un, unknown reason and there's really no, in my opinion I know that was a one-off and next year we're going back presumably going back to teams being out but there's just really no hope so yeah you, God, I, I, <laughs> the schedule needs to stay the same um but there's no going back I mean bowl games are just they're meaning less and less. The New Year's Six obviously still carries weight, but this year did some damage, whereas you had a lot of players that just wanted to end the season, which is totally understandable because it was a nightmarish season for a lot of teams. And I just feel like we're kind of at the point where there's the playoff, there's the New Year's Six, and then there's the other Bulls, and that's pretty much it. So I, I know – because I know that fans – like it feels like even a little thing like I think a lot of fans would rather – even if it was the same opponent, would rather UCF be in like the Liberty Bowl. Than yeah, Gasper no, I was just going to say. And I think part of that might anything. be the travel <laughs> – Part of that might be the travel and just like the experience of like, you know, I mean, I don't know if traveling is going to be still be a thing or, or going to be a thing by then, but <laughs> I think people kind of just hope that, you know, it's a bowl game, like a destination they can enjoy going to watch a UCF game. And not that like UCF fans don't like taking over Raymond James stadium because that's what they do. But it's just, it's if, especially coming off of like, like two years ago, having been in that bowl game and being in that stadium again, just, I think UCF fans would be happier with, I think the Liberty bowl, especially just the there's just feels like there's more procedure on the Liberty bowl when, I mean, in reality, it's not that big of a difference. It's not that it's also, I know it's prestigious for, for group of five teams. I think power five, like the, it's big 12 oh. SEC usually, and they send their like seventh or eighth eligible teams. Yeah. I mean, they don't not, care. It's just another bowl game. I mean, we, I, AAC has got some interesting ones this year. They've got the Fenway bowl, but up in i I'm excited for that one. I don't know why I just, yeah, am. I don't think UCF will ever play in that bowl, but it exists. I don't know. Yeah. I, one thing that will be interesting with Mahajer. Wow. We haven't talked about Mahajer at all in this podcast. That's crazy. I just realized. We well, mentioned him a couple times. Did we? Oh, I guess I'm not I paying did, attention to our own podcast. <laughs> um, you know, Mahajer's uh, Danny White's stance on bowl games that he talked about was unless it was New Year's six, he didn't want UCF leaving Florida because it was easier on the team. That. It was easier on the fans. I don't know if that'll be a thing under Mahajer or not. That's something that I hope someone will ask him soon, and maybe we'll get an answer on, is that still UCF strategy? Because I know that the goal is New Year's Six every year, and UCF has made three all-time, which is more than literally any group of five team except Boise. Um, but you just don't make New Year's Six bowls every year. So that, that, that's, gonna, this, yeah. that's a decision that has an impact on probably 80 90% of your seasons. Just like knowing what we know so far about Mahajer, I don't see that – policy still being a thing but we'll see yeah. i hope someone does ask him soon because then we'll have something else to talk about <laughs> we'll get well you know we'll get around i think maybe next week or, or in the coming weeks to what mahajer said so far about the scheduling and, and that's that's a whole nother conversation we don't have time for today but just know that that's coming because that's going to be an interesting conversation to see how ucf you know deviates from what danny white wanted with the two for ones 
we'll get into that in the future. But before we move on to the news section, Christian, I just want to ask you, which game on UCF's 2021 schedule are you looking forward to the most? Bethune-Cookman. I knew you were going to give me some just – I mean, if the band no, is there, no, if I mean, they bring I, the, I'm see, serious. If they yeah, bring their band, no, I mean, that would be awesome. That's true. <laughs> that wasn't really the game, a joke. The game won't matter. The game, the game's going to be horrible. Yeah, but UCF played Bethune, I think, in 2014. Probably should have had that ready. And their Sounds band right. their band performed, and it was it was amazing. I'm just <laughs> so. still disappointed that FAMU didn't bring their band in 2019. Yeah, right? they, I think, I think just, UCF wow, offered – That's like the whole appeal. Yeah, UCF offered to pay them, I think, to bring their band. That's like the appeal of, of bringing FAMU to the bounce house is you get to see their band. But Yeah, we're not here for the 62 to nothing win. We're here for the halftime show. Um, but also, yeah, I think I honestly, it's this might sound weird because I think it's for most fans. It's not Cincinnati for me. I, I, I'm, me I'm, I'm way more interested in the Boise State game, to be honest. Yeah, no, I am too. I am too for, you know, all the group of five reasons. For, plus, it's the fact that it's the first, you know, UCF game in – very a long, very long time, and it's the first game under Malzahn. It's just going to be, I think, there's going to be a lot of hype around it, and it's it's going to be fun. And I think if I'm going to have to pick a runner-up, <clears throat> I like the the Friday night Memphis game, but the Louisville game, I just for some reason, I think I, I referenced this on Twitter recently that that game is going to be fun because it's going to be on a Friday night in Louisville. And last time UCF went to Louisville on a Friday night, we all know what happened. Blake Bortles led the upset, and we'll get a bunch of highlights from that game throughout that whole broadcast, and, and that's going to be great. That's a very good um, point. So that's going to be – I think that's going to be a fun game. I don't really rate Louisville that high right now. I just – I'm not that high on them. I, I kind of look at them like I looked at Georgia Tech coming into this season. And we'll see, I think. They're going to be a little farther. They're going to be a little farther along. They're, they have yeah. some better pieces coming back. But um, I, I also just, I just love Friday night games too. I, I yeah. know that some fans don't. But that to me is like – I don't know. I just love when you see – There's something about them. There's something yeah. about just, you know, the end of a work week. You can – even if they're not at home – they're not a home game. It's not a Friday night home game. It's just – go settle into the couch for the night, order in some pizza and wings and watch a Friday night college football game. And it's just, it's, there's something special about it. And you got the, all the national eyes on you too. It's just that game, I think is going to be a fun one. I think people might overlook it a little bit because they're looking at the Boise state. They're looking at Cincinnati, Memphis, of course, the Warren I four, which I don't know. The Warren I four is like really low on my list this year, just because like, I don't, I don't know last year's game. I think last year's game just sucked all the fun out of it. It wasn't a fun game. And really, USF's been so bad for the last few years that it just isn't really have that much hype around the game anymore. So, well, it, it hasn't been a. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I'm still a little hesitant to refer to last. USF fans will get mad at that. I guess I don't care, but it would refer to last year's game as competitive because yes, it was a close score, but like there wasn't really a point where it was like, oh, UCF. Like there wasn't a lead change. USF never no. really had a point where they were like, oh, they can get in this. It was more just they kept annoying UCF as the game went on and scoring. So when you look at it like that, this hasn't been a bona fide competitive game since 2017. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say that is is that game gave us I think some unrealistic expectations for the rivalry. I don't I don't know. You would like to see both programs be you know at that high again and have that game mean something every year but even if it's not to that extent it's just at least just you want a competitive game you want a fun game for your fan bases and you know they come here and what was it 20 was it 2019 that game was 34 7 there was no nothing about that game that was memorable of course the 2018 game was memorable for all the wrong reasons and then this past year is just you know a million points were scored but it wasn't really that fun of a, a million point game so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes and we'll see how their season goes leading up to that. But Christian, unless you got anything else on the schedule, we'll jump into the news and then we'll get out of here. That's uh that's pretty much all I got. I, uh, I, the one thing I will say is if any UCF fans are looking for a game on the road to go to, assuming travel is a thing, I would recommend Navy. Annapolis is a beautiful town. 
and Naval mm. Academy is very cool. So I'll end on that. Well, I just I just mentioned the Louisville game as like, oh, we get to be watching the the highlights on the broadcast. If travel's a thing, that'd be a game I would love to go to. Yeah. Not that like I don't know. I think like Louisville's like not that nice of a town. I don't know. I don't know anything about Ooh. Louisville, but it just seems like is it not? I don't know. <laughs> I have no, oh. I know nothing. About <laughs> I was say, like I don't know if I'll get a bunch of hate for that, but I don't know anything about it. I just think it would be like the the stadium seems like pretty like fun, nice atmosphere. Just this is all based off of 2013, so I don't know if it still is, honestly. I was. But, I feel like you're all bit like the last Louisville game you tuned yeah. into was 2013. <laughs> I, I watched Lamar there. I watched Lamar play there, but I don't you're know. You're gonna be like, where's like Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> wait, where's Charlie Strong? Oh wait, too too soon, too soon. But <laughs> we'll uh, we'll close out with the news like we always do here. And uh, again, it's there's a million sports going on right now, so bear with us as we get through these. Some some interesting uh, results and some interesting news. Football. The only other thing we'll mention is R.J. Young of uh, College Football on Fox put together a defensive lineup of his best players in April's draft. And for one of his safeties, he listed Richie Grant. So shout out to Richie Grant getting a little more love uh, there and actually getting some love instead of Aaron Robinson for once. So that's uh, an interesting development. But men's basketball, uh, pretty pretty good week for them. They won 53-49 last Friday against Tulane. Had a tough loss, 69-68 on Sunday at Cincinnati. And then uh, on Wednesday night, they beat South Florida in the Warren I-4, 81-65 at home. C.J. Walker's really coming on strong lately. And with that win, they claimed three more Warren I-4 points. And I believe the you know it's up to like 18-3 now or 18-5, something like that. Uh, UCF men's basketball is now 7-11 and 11 overall. They're 5-10 and 10 in the AAC. Um, then the other piece of news with men's basketball is they have a game uh, this coming Tuesday that got canceled. It was supposed to be at SMU. There are some positive COVID tests within the SMU program. So best wishes to everyone dealing with that right now. Uh, women's basketball, they finally got back on the court uh, after their COVID layoff and just picked up right where they left off. They won 70-51 to 51, uh, against Cincinnati on Sunday on the, or on Saturday on the road. They beat Tulane on Wednesday, 63-61 to 61 for Coach uh, Abe's 100th win at UCF. And the fact that, you know, she's already at 100 wins is, uh, is pretty impressive. What she's done for the program has been uh, phenomenal. They're 11-2 and two now and 9-1 and one in the AAC. Yeah, I think I, I texted you last night of Joy Williams, who was UCF's coach for a long time, for nine years before Abe had 104 wins total. So Abe so. in just a few <laughs> years is, should be crossing that within the next she's couple weeks. there. And yeah, here's to the next 100. And we hope Coach Abe is here for a very, very long time. Uh, volleyball, they had a last weekend off, but this, uh, as we're recording just a few hours ago on Thursday, they beat uh, a swept Temple on the road, 3 nothing. They're 7-0 and now and 1-0 in the AAC. A piece of news that really was news to me last night as I was kind of going through this stuff, that was their first conference game, despite the fact that they played two games at home against Tulane a couple weeks ago. Those games were non-conference games agreed on by the coaches just as, you know, extra warm-up games. And, you know, I had no idea that was a thing. But I was uh, – my confusion was at an all-time high last night when I found that out. Um, next week's I'm Miami. hoping we uh, – I'm hoping in football we can maybe do something like that. Like maybe the Cincinnati game just shouldn't be a conference game. <laughs> I, don't know if we'll get, uh, I don't know if we'll get Luke Fickle to agree to that. But <laughs> uh, for volleyball, next week's matches against Miami have been canceled. And as, as far as I know, Coach Todd – Dagenet said that they had some a potential replacement in the works. I haven't seen any kind of announcement at the time of recording, but hopefully they can get some games in next week uh, to make up for those Miami games. Men's soccer bounced back from their season opening loss on Saturday with a 1-0 win at Temple. They're 1-1 uh, now on the season, 1-1 in the AAC. Obviously, it's an all-AAC schedule. Uh, goalkeeper Yannick Ertl uh, named – I still don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I apologize. Uh, named the AAC Goalkeeper of the Week. He had the clean sheet at Temple on Saturday. 
um, really just a, another a good game for, for UCF to bounce back. Anderson Rosa was named uh, ASC's Defensive Player of the Week. Gino Vivi was named the ASC's Weekly Honor Roll. And uh, a bit of uh, big news that uh, UCF – I mean, they, they love the news, to, but it's a it's tough fault for the 2021 team. But midfielder Louis Perez has signed a professional contract with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds of the USL Championship. So uh, he will – he's departing. And uh, best wishes to him. Really exciting for him to, to get his professional career started. But uh, UCF sure will miss him for the rest of this season. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. We were talking about, I don't think I realized, I don't know if that's just a COVID thing or if that's a soccer specific thing where you have people sort of leave for uh, yeah. professional opportunities mid-season. I thought that was an interesting development, but back to him. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing either. So when, when the news came up, I was like, and, and this is probably on my bad for not knowing the roster all that well, but I was like, oh, it must have been like a former player who just like got signed by Pittsburgh. And then I was like, wait, no, he's on the team right now? <laughs> and I just, I didn't know that was the, that was the thing that could happen. Um, women's soccer, they won 3-0 uh, to open up their season on Sunday at Temple. Uh, really just a dominant performance. Mallory Olsen was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week. She had two goals in that game. Uh, goalkeeper Caroline Delisle had a clean sheet and was named the AAC's Weekly Honor Roll, as was Katie Bradley, who had the game-winning goal, actually, in the second minute of the game to put UCF up 1-0. Uh, great start for, for women's soccer. Softball got off to a pretty good start of their own. They were three and one, uh, three and one weekend last weekend against Florida Gulf Coast. They won on Saturday, thirteen nothing and eight nothing, and then they lost their first game on Sunday, three to two, but bounced back with an eight to five win. Uh, Georgia Blair, who hit four sixty two with three home runs over the weekend, and Gianna Mancha with six and two thirds innings pitched, eight strikeouts, no earned runs, a win and a save. They were both named to the AAC Softball Weekly Honor Roll. And softball, they were uh, ranked number 24 in the USA Today slash NFCA coaches poll this week. And they added a game for next week uh, on Wednesday against number 21, Missouri. So adding a big game to uh, the midweek before they have their weekend series um, against McNeese State. So uh, exciting times for softball. Baseball is getting ready to start this weekend. We'll get to them in a little bit. But men's golf, they uh, return to the course on uh, the weekend. They were 21st on Friday at the Gator Invitational. They tied for 16th on Saturday. Women's golf finished in sixth in the Moon Golf Invitational uh, in Melbourne, Sunday through Tuesday. And they're number 14 this week in the golfstat.com poll because I, I believe part of that is, is stemmed off the fact that they finished ahead of uh, quite a few ranked teams, I think, in the, uh, in the Moon Golf Invitational. So good news there for women's golf. Men's tennis, they, uh, they had their Saturday match at number 12, Georgia, postponed, which is uh, – they said postponed. I don't know if it's going to be made up, but that's a tough one to lose, uh, lose that game because that's, that was a big opportunity for uh, a ranked win. Then they uh, lost to number nine, Texas A&M, on Wednesday. Uh, they fell to 2-2 two and two on the season. They're 1-0 in the AAC, however. Women's tennis, they uh, won 4 to nothing on Saturday against Miami, so they're now 6-2 and two on the year. Uh, track and field, indoor track and field season – they had three event wins at the H-Town Speed City Series. They won the 4x4 relay. Uh, that's for the second time in a row. Latasha Smith, who was a part of that relay, also won the 400-meter dash, while Selena Wright won in the 60-meter hurdles. They finished second as a team in the meet, and they only trailed Cincinnati. Valerie Lastra placed second in the mile run, where she broke UCS freshman record. She ran a mile in uh, four minutes and 51 seconds, and I'd like to just say that I don't know how a human being does that, I cannot do that. And I mean, that's probably not no surprise that you're listening. Like, Oh yeah, no doubt. You're hosting a podcast. There's no way you could run a sub five minute mile, but I just don't understand how that's possible. I don't get it. I'll never understand it. I don't know why people enjoy running. That's just me. That's just me. I don't know. 
Uh, and then Ashera Collins broke the freshman triple jump record as well. So a good meet. They finished second, uh, but a really good meet for uh, a lot of individuals on that team. And we're looking at the road ahead before we record our next podcast. Men's basketball will play Saturday at Tulane. Uh, women's basketball will play Saturday at Tulsa. Volleyball Friday at Temple after their 3 nothing win on Thursday. Uh, men's soccer will play Saturday against South Florida. Christian and I are trying to make it out to that game. Uh, the war on I-4 should be a big, a big one, a fun game. Women's soccer is back on the pitch Sunday against Cincinnati. Softball, they'll have a weekend series this weekend against New Mexico State at home. Then they'll play number 21, Missouri, next Wednesday. Baseball, they open up their, uh, their season this weekend. Um, you know, weather permitting, of course, it's supposed to rain pretty heavily, but they're supposed to host. This is a weird one. They're supposed to host FAU on Friday before hitting the road to play at FAU on Saturday and Sunday. Then they'll return home for Tuesday. They play uh, Stetson at home on Tuesday for the midweek. Uh, women's golf, they're back uh, on the course at the Gator Invitational Sunday through Tuesday in Gainesville. And men's tennis, they have uh, Friday at North Florida, Sunday at FAU. And finally, women's tennis. They'll play a couple games in Texas this week, Sunday at Texas and Tuesday at TCU. So, of course, like every week, a lot's going on. This is a very busy spring. It's about to get busier with baseball starting this week. But, uh, again, it's just a, it's a good time to be a UCF night, and there's a, a lot going on uh, in the non-football sports. Of course, there's a ton going on with football as well, even though it's not even in season right now. They haven't even started spring ball, but plenty going on. And, uh, Christian, it's been a fun one. Yeah, it's been a good one. And uh, yeah, Bailey and I are trying to make it out to the soccer game on Saturday. And if there's not pouring rain, the baseball game on a Friday. So if you're there, say hey to us. We'll just be hanging out. Say hi. Watching some UCF keep, sports. Keep your distance. Don't, yeah. don't get within six feet of me. Say hi with a mask I, I'd from six honestly, feet away. <laughs> I'd honestly probably be saying that. Not the mask part, but I'd be saying say six feet away from me if it was not COVID times anyway. Just, yeah, it's just give me my space. The rest of the world has just finally caught up to Bailey on the six feet. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been social distancing for most of my life. So, um, <laughs> Christian, it's been a fun one as always and uh, really appreciated this talk. Always good to talk UCF sports. And until next time, we appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, at Night Sports Now. Go ahead and give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Give us some nice words to, to boost our confidence a little bit. And uh, we hope you uh, will join us again next week on the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody.